And now for something completely different. A radio show about books. Didn't think it through at all. Inconceivable! Is it a kingdom? Is it a pen? Is it a radio? I don't know. Can I just make more funny noises? Thank you. Tarzan of the Apes. Brought to you from out the pages of Edgar Rice Burroughs' immortal book. Oh, wow. In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and been widely regarded as a bad move. And now for your host, Daniel Thompson, a completely underqualified buffoon who has no idea why he's here in the first place. And all were amazed and said, this guy is really good. Do you do children's parties? I am drinking a Mountain Dew right now. Do you know how good that is for me? I'm drinking Mountain Dew. That's what type of day I've been having thus far. I'm drinking Mountain Dew. Caffeine, people. Caffeine. It's a beautiful thing. Welcome to Kingdom Pen Radio. We have a lovely episode ahead of you. All sorts of lovely things within the episode. Specifically, we're talking about allegories today. Hang on, I'm going to take another drink. Ow, oh, so good. And the interview's not going to be any better because I had coffee. <laughs> Whee! Okay, yes, we're talking about allegories today, and who better to do that with than Sarah Spradlin? Do you know her name? You'll know her now. We're going to talk about allegories, and then we're going to play a special game regarding allegories. So, overall, all good. Today's sponsor, Loot Crate. I've got another creepy Shia LaBeouf ad for you. <laughs> do you like? Do you guys like those? Should Should I make less creepy ads? I don't know. I probably will just keep doing what I'm doing. Anyway, we're also going to be giving away some KP swag at the end of this episode, so stick around for that. Okay, it's time to jump into the interview now. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. You're here because we want the best, and you're it. Nope, couldn't keep a straight face. I am no man. Hey everybody, Daniel here with you in the studio, and I've got a very special guest with me today, Sarah Spradlin. She is on the staff at KingdomPen.org, the magazine, the radio show, you name it, she's in it. How you doing, Sarah? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing, Daniel? crack a lacking crack a lack and it's a good day it's a good day i'm happy i'm here i've got too much coffee coffee was a bad decision well it's okay i suppose i'll forgive you maybe eventually you should you should forgive me now <laughs> now sarah Harris, like i said she works for kingdom pen she is our email coordinator our communications coordinator person that's a slightly better title than secretary i tried Just, yeah there we go maybe a little bit better but you, you, you have you have a special joy. You you enjoy allegories. Yes, I do. They are kind of my guilty pleasure that I, you know, take part in all the time when my door is closed and no one's bothering me in my room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a that's a good way. To, that's a creepy way to state that. <laughs> but that's that's a good way to word it. So, what were some well, of your favorites? Um, okay, favorites. Yeah, favorites. What are your favorites? Ah, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, Definitely, that's a standby. Always. 
that that's understood. I'm like peeking over at my bookshelf like right now, trying、mm-hmm. to help myself out. I really liked、um, the Door Within series、oh, by、gosh. Wayne Thomas Batson. It's so good. That was really fantastic. Loved reading those.、Uh, let's see. Have you read his new his new series,、um, The Sword in the Stars? I have the first one on my shelf, and I haven't read it yet, and I really want to. It's allegory too. I feel like all of his things are casually allegorical. It's just some of them are harder to like pick out than others. What you you think so? Because I mean, okay, so Ghost came out not too long ago.、Right? I haven't read Ghost. Is it good? It's yes. It was. I couldn't read it at night, but <laughs> <laughs> while most allegories kind of have their. You know, on the surface meaning, and then the below the surface meaning of like, you know, in this story, God's name is this, but we all know underneath it's actually, you know, God. And in the Ghost series, it's more of a we're not going to tell you everything that's going on until the very end, and then you're going to go, oh, okay, I understand. So,、now. so the allegory part's more of kind of a mystery element. Yes, that's cool. It was it was really awesome, and I had to just kind of sit in a quiet place for a while and process <laughs> everything when I finished it. So, so why allegory? Why are you an allegory junkie? What draws you to it? I don't know. I like the fact that I can always rely on allegories to give me a nice, happy ending. <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm not a big fan of the like Reagan wrote a story、um, a couple of it's been longer than a couple of months ago, but it ended badly, and I was unhappy.、Mm. And、um, anyway, we had this whole conversation about how I don't deal with ha- like unhappy endings very well because I have like real life for that. So.、Yeah. You know, I think what appeals to me about allegories is you always can kind of pick out the okay, here comes Jesus, and this character might die, but I have a pretty good hunch that he's Jesus, and that means he's going to come back, and everything's going to be okay. All right, <laughs> awesome. I'm not going to cry myself to sleep tonight. Okay. So you <laughs> you, do, you you don't do the the melancholy ending then, huh? No, no, not not at all.、It、makes me unhappy. Well, I I can I can dig both. It it really depends. It really. It takes us if I like it, a melancholy kind of ending. It has to be a really, really, really good one. Like okay, this want, makes me want to you know go and sit outside underneath an oak tree and speculate life for a few hours. Kind of good ending. Otherwise, I'm just like that was that was intentionally destroying my heart and <laughs> soul and no me gusta. Yeah, definitely. So so, I you talked about how you have real life for for the. The sad endings is is story kind of an escapism thing for you? Probably, probably more than likely. I don't know. I haven't like delved into my you know. <laughs> Let, let's delve into your deep psyche. <laughs> um, you know. Let's figure you out, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I mean, it probably is, and it's also um, you know, kind of a reinforcement of while things outside of you know your reading and your books and stuff can be. Depressing and unhappy. In the end of our lives, there will be a happy ending, and it's like a reminder of that. So, as much as it is an escape, it's also kind of like a reassurance of you know life isn't a terrible existence. It's kind of happy, occasionally, especially at the end, kind of idea. I like that. That's really cool. So, do you do you write allegory? I do. Tell me. I tell don't me. know、um, if I write it well, <laughs> well but no, I the- do write it. Well, what's what's kind of your story? Where are you, where are you writing?、Um, right now, I'm working. Pun there. Right now, 
Um, <laughs> that was terrible, and we're not going to justify that. Okay. <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> just, I couldn't help it. I'll, I'll have a terrible joke before long, too. Don't just... Anything goes. <laughs> okay, cool. I will unleash all of my bad puns, then. <laughs> all right. Um, so the story I'm writing... Um, is called King's Blade, and it's hopefully going to be a trilogy, and it's about this girl named uh, Lyral Karanor, and she is like the orphaned princess of this um, vast land called um, Altan, and the whole like continenty world thing is called Airless. And in the beginning, um, Elindir, who is like my you know, god figure person thing, um, you know, created the world and set up a um, line of kings to govern over Airless as kind of his prophet and champion of the light to keep the bad guys at bay. Gotcha. And anyway, at some point along the way, humanity has become corrupted and it's falling down and it's kind of dismantling into just this terrible kind of culture, which basically is America. And <laughs> um, so anyway, there's this big attack on the castle in the capital city of Altan uh, called Kalanmir. And Lyril's the only one to make it out. Everybody else is dead because we have to have the super, like, tragic Batman beginning for <laughs> Hero, right? And Definitely. so anyway, um, you know, she gets shipped off to this hold of the Kotkus Knights, and they're kind of like the, the Jedi of the mm -hmm. realm. Um, hopefully I'm not stealing too many ideas from George Lucas. But anyway, uh, as, long as, you don't, of, as long as you don't steal Jar Jar, I think we'll be fine. That's yeah, what they true. tell me. That's what they tell yeah. me. Are you yeah. are you team team Jar Jar? Oh <laughs> no. Okay. No. <laughs> there, there's there's a lot of Jar Jar gets a lot of hate. He really does. I, I don't like passionately dislike him, but he is not my favorite person ever. <laughs> so. Okay, so your story, you it's, this is definitely deep fantasy. This is like high yes. fantasy stuff. Now. In terms of allegory, what what uh what are you allegorying? Is it is it like a Jesus story directly? Is it more like Door Within, which is more of a revelation based? What, yeah, what? it's probably more along the lines of Door Within. Um, Airless is kind of um, the allegorical representation of where America is right now, mm. and um, Lyral is kind of representing the Christian of um, you know America, just being like just one person. Gotcha. And um, her whole struggle in the first book called Kingsblade is um, figuring out what the difference between just believing something is and following, um, you know, what you believe in or following um, Elindir in this case. And how that distinction has kind of been blurred in today's churches where a lot of times it's, you know, you pray the prayer and you believe the things and yes, Jesus died and yes, he rose again, but then there's nothing after that. Mm -hmm. which is um, something I struggled with for a long time because I grew up in a Christian home and always knew that Jesus had come, um, that God had sent him, that he had died, and on the third day rose again and knew all the Bible verses and all that sort of thing. But it ended at knowing and not so much, you know, following what his will was and trusting him and talking to him and having, you know, that relationship kind of side of things that sometimes I think we miss the boat on. And so it's kind of like that kind of journey for her figuring out um, that it's probably more important to truly follow after Christ and Alindir than to have all the answers and to know all of the things. So so even though your story is an allegory, its themescape is very much so Christian life, Christian mm -hmm. uh, struggles. That's really cool. 
That's really cool. I like cool. it, you know, <laughs> something <laughs> I do with my spare time. Yeah, I think it's becoming like a more and more popular kind of thing to do. Like Jill Williamson, I know, has published quite a few. Um, her, I want to say it's the Blood of Kings series. Oh, yeah? Um, is allegorical. And it's really, really cool. And I enjoyed reading those a lot. Um, and But it's becoming more and more common. Like, you know, people are writing more books that have this kind of medieval fantasy kind of spin on them that have, you know, Jesus figures and God figures that aren't, you know, called uh, Jesus and Christ and God. Because I think it's a really unique way to kind of rope in a very unique genre, like, of readers. And then, like secretly show them Jesus through a fantasy book. It's definitely very fantasy-centric, I've noticed. That's something I like. You, I'm, I'm, you do like that? Yes, I'm, I'm a fan of all fantasy things because, I mean, it's almost like a cool visual for a lot of the principles that are talked about in the Bible, like, you know, the sword of truth and, you know, the breastplate of righteousness and, you know, all of that sort of stuff where... We read it in the Bible and we go, okay, that's cool. And then like, you know, you kind of move on. But if you read a story where there's a scene where this character is flipping out about the battle that's coming and, you know, um, their squire, whoever is helping them put on their armor and they're talking about, you know, what the different purposes for each piece of the armor is. And, you know, maybe the knight's taking a moment to explain to the squire, well, why is this particular piece important and why do we put it on this way? And all of a sudden there's just kind of this image of what putting on the armor of God is supposed to look like. Yeah, it kind of makes visual those those uh, the principles that the Bible brings across. That's really interesting. So you talked about how uh, how your Christian values play into this, how you your, your themescape is very much so about the Christian walk. How much of writing to you is is expressing some of the things that you struggle with and some of the principles you come across. Do you kind of work it out through writing or is it something where you just like, okay, I'm going to write about this? How do you, how does that happen? It's kind of a mixture of both. So sometimes I will struggle with something for an extended period of time and then kind of, you know, work through it and figure it out. And then later on, I'll be like, hey, there was that one time I was being really stupid and couldn't figure the thing out. That's probably something that maybe people identify with. Let me stick it in my story. Or I'll be sitting writing and it'll just be kind of, especially if I'm writing poetry, because I rant in poetry a lot. Oh, do you? Um, you know, I'll be writing and I'm like, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. Why is it this way? Um, you know, why doesn't this make sense? And I'll kind of try to put words to the frustrations and the feelings that I have. And then from there, I'll look at it and I'll say, okay. Here are the like, big problems that I seem to be having. Um, let's talk to God about that or see if we can find some Bible verses about that or find a book to read about that that'll help me work through it. So I think it's mostly either A, I have done something and messed up big time and here you go, here's some information that you may want so that you don't do the same thing that I did or it's kind of a let me figure out exactly what's going on so that I can move forward and address the problems that kind of emerge from that writing. Hmm. So, so a lot of times it's just something that you've, that you've come through and you decide to put that into your story. I think so, most of the time. Well, Sometimes I'm like, this is a thing that I don't know how to deal with. I'm going to stick it in here. Maybe it'll resolve itself <laughs> via the characters. <laughs> well, I can relate to that. We are going to be back 
with more interview right after this. But in the meantime, enjoy this terrible midsection that I've prepared for you. I have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions. What percentage? I don't know. 12%. All right, guys. I am back here with another 12% of an idea because we're cheap if we can't afford 100% of one. Yeah, that's essentially how this goes. But I had a thought. A lot of story goals and a lot of stakes are starting to get really big, like superhero movies. It's always the world ending, and we're suddenly really desensitized to that. And I think maybe the answer to fix this problem is in scaling down our stakes and our story goals. We need to scale them down in worldwide importance, but upscale them in personal importance. Like, what if the what if the story goal, what if the stakes of Avengers 2 had focused primarily on Hawkeye protecting his family? What if the entire, like, end of that movie had taken place on that farm? Because that would have been legit. It really would have. Just something to think about. Maybe if we made it more personal to the characters, scaled them down, they'd be more believable and therefore more emotionally impacting. That or maybe I'm just sitting here sipping my Mountain Dew and I don't know what I'm talking about. But I have this great scene in my own novel where um, it's the end of the world, right? And all the characters, they run out of coffee and they freak the heck out. And it's a really bad scene for them. It is a big disaster. So figure out what's a disaster to your character, not just a generic disaster, not just generic story goals. Make them important to your characters on a smaller scale. Just my two cents here. 12%? (laughs) It's a fake laugh. It's real! You're listening to Kingdom Pen Radio. And we're back! (laughs) Wow. I worked very long and hard on my special radio voice, but I've never actually been able to use it on the radio, so that felt really good. (laughs) That felt really good. Okay. Okay, what we're going to do... We've been talking about allegories. I mentioned that they're, like, all fantasy, so we are going to play a game. I'm very excited about this game. It's going to be a good game. It's going to be... Let me see if I can come up with a title for the game really quickly. The Not Fantasy Allegory Game. That's a terrible name. I don't like that at all. That was cheesy as... Oh, my gosh. That is awful. You know what? Well, okay. Base of the game. Here's what we're going to do. Allegory is way too fantasy-oriented, so we are going to make a sci-fi allegory. Okay. We're going, we're going to map out the protagonist. We're going to map out, you know, the, the primary characters. Antagonist, okay. protagonist, allies, love interest, whatever, if, if necessary. Okay. It, it depends on the story. We're going to decide what story we're doing an allegory over, whether we do traditional Jesus life, whether we do creation in the fall slash revelation, or if we do, heck, we could do Noah. For that matter, we could we could allegory just about anything. We're going okay. to talk about the world. We're going to, and then we're going to hit the major plot points. So that's what we're going to do. Hit the bumper. What? It imagine imagine a really cool sound, like the uh, the the uh, <laughs> like I'll probably put in the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire dun 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 sound. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what you can imagine. Uh, okay, so what nice. what story what story are we going to do the allegory on? Why don't we do... I, I kind of like the idea of doing Noah. I was kind of disappointed with that movie, so... You know, I never watched the movie. Was it awful? Um, it looked awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, it... Did, I had, like, grand expectations. 
uh, in my mind of like a really fantastic, like moving, <laughs> faithful film. And it just and then wasn't. you got then you got rock monsters. So yeah. Rock angels. So. That was a good idea. Who who looked at the script and decided, hey, you know what this script needs? Rock angels. That's what we need. Because we haven't had enough of those in Doctor Who, obviously, you know. Ridley Scott, give me some rock angels. Okay, so we're going to do Noah, and we're going to do it in a sci-fi setting. All right. So, so, hey, hey, what? How are we going to do that? How are we going to make that a thing? Let's see. All right. So, basically, have you know Noah as our eventually will be main character, and then we have the Ark. So, what if they're like needing to desert a dying planet? I like that. And he's having to build, you know, a spaceship that's going to carry them off of this dying planet to a new one, but they can't see any planets around them, so there's, like, the questioning of, we're probably going to die in space. Mm. Definitely going to die in space. And then we could have, like, maybe it's, like, 40 light years or something. Okay. You know... In hey, one direction. Hey, here's an idea. Here's an idea. This could be sci-fi, but this doesn't have to be, like, out there sci-fi. Back in Noah's day, there hadn't ever been any rain. Okay. So what if what if there's never been any space travel from these Ooh, people? Yes. Yes. We could, we, could inter- we could have different races, and we could have some mm-hmm. robots and stuff, but this could be, like, the first actual space travel. This is a good idea. Okay, yes. I like this. Almost, almost like, um, you know, dancing along the lines of steampunk, kind of. Yeah. You know, maybe. Where, yeah. you know, maybe he's using the technologies that they have access to, but no one's, like, applied it to building a spaceship. That's a really good idea. That is way cool. So are we going to have alien races? Is Noah going to be an alien? Do we want to do all aliens, or do we want to do something different? I think a humanoid creature would be cool, but it can't be humans. Just nah, because that's too boring. That that is boring. We could have a couple different races. Yes. On there. So okay. So we have multi multiracial elements in here. They're going to build. Oh, and a representative of each race has to be on the spaceship. I suppose that works. Huh. I wonder. I wonder how that would work. That's that's interesting. Like, how do we? Is that like the? Are we calling these other races animals though? Because that's mm. weird. That doesn't oh. quite work. Hmm. I mean, the allegory doesn't have to be perfect. I suppose not. But hey... And that could add in some tension. Having a bunch of aliens on board this Ark slash spaceship thing, like actual animal-like aliens, that's going to be so cool. Yes. As a story element. And then you have, like, the really dangerous, creepy... We could set up, like, a really dangerous, creepy animal early yes. on and then have to have them come aboard the spaceship. Oh, wow. I have to, like, figure out how to move it on. Yeah. That is cool. So you have you have Noah builds, and we should we should totally mess up his name. It should be like Nawa or something like that. Nawaha. Nawaha. <laughs> Nawaha. <laughs> okay. Nawaha, the uh, this this slightly humanoid individual, and yep. his family. He is told by how how does God tell him this? What is what? How does God show up in the story? Mm. Trying to think along the lines of fantasy. Fantasy, you have like a lion or, or a good yeah. king that's away across the sea or something. So what is the what is the sci-fi? What's the sci-fi equivalent of? What is the sci-fi equivalent of that? Well, holographic the f- letters appeared in the sky. Holographic, holographic <laughs> letters appeared in the sky. That could be a thing, I suppose. Or we could like, 
now this would add another like allegorical story kind of splicing into mm -hmm. um, like writing on the wall almost we could um, do that you know something like that um what if it's graffiti he speaks to them through graffiti graffiti on like the walls of their buildings and stuff like it just kind of starts appearing because that's kind of like sci-fi and well, kind of out there and abstract. It is abstract. It kind of fits in with the uh, the steampunkish ideas. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay, so so Nawa sees a bunch of graffiti that tells him that he needs to build a spaceship, and we could add some spiritual element to the uh, to the graffiti to where he he knows that this is something someone yes. out there is telling him that. So he builds a spaceship. He has to gather all the uh, all the people, not all the people, all the animals. Yes. All the alien creatures onto the spaceship. Hey. Oh, scary. Scary alien creatures. What? Yes. When the planet starts to go, when the planet starts to break up from within, there should be like a, oh, I want, I'm trying to, I want to say space battle, but not a space battle, but like as they're taking off mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the bad people on the planet, there should be like a battle sequence. Not like yeah. the one in the actual Noah film, mind you. Yeah. With stupid rock angels, but more like the sci-fi <laughs> blasters and stuff. As 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 this world is blowing up, they're trying to take out Nawa and and the Ark with it. Yes. That'd be way cool. So Noah Nawa takes off. He's in space now, just floating, yes. just kind of floating helplessly in space at this stage. So and as as this is having the plants just exploding from behind. Yeah. Yeah, and wow. uh, maybe um, it's the propulsion of the exploding planet and that push that like closes the bay door or whatever, like and pushes them away. Oh, that'd so be cool. It's kind of like um, where, you know, God is shutting the door of the ark. That's cool. I like that. Okay, so what we're all, are we going to delve into, the Bible doesn't really do a whole lot of delving into what happens during those 40 days and 40 nights of the, of the rain. And, and all the time that Noah and his family spend on the Ark. Do we spend a whole lot of time on that? Because there's going to be some challenges keeping a bunch of aliens chill. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, just with the difference, or the difference of the pressure in space and the oh fact that they probably never experienced zero gravity before. Oh, um, we could have so, many, so much fun with I mean, zero gravity sequences. I mean, that would be pretty fantastic. Like, you know, they're you know, a bunch of, like, duck-like aliens that are just kind of, like, swimming through the air. And they're just <laughs> like, what are you doing? Stop! Duck-like aliens. Back I into your cages! I like that. Oh, that would, be, that would be so much fun. There's so many problems that we could do. So, okay, we're going to spend some time just having them deal with these problems yes. on, on the Ark. Oh, this is, this is cool. This is, this is really cool. So, um... Insert some comedic kind of thing. I agree. I think, I think a lot of allegories really take themselves seriously, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of stories in general do. I think we could tr totally turn this into kind of an adventure comedy, yes, sort of sci-fi allegory. This this could be the, this is a, where a lot of that comedy will show up. Yes, definitely. <laughs> what did they send out? Uh, Noah sent out a dove. What what do we send out? Do we mm. send out a really weird alien probe thing? That, that could be a thing. Let's see. They're not gonna. I guess they're not gonna return to the exploded planet. So they're going no. somewhere. They got. They got to find out where. Where yeah, planet where they're is. going. Know, know if they're going someplace. 
So, so yeah. Maybe they send out some type of mechanical probe. Yeah, I think mechanical probe would probably be the most plausible, and that way it can like you know be sending back images, mm -hmm. you know, while while it's going, and then maybe like um, whenever it makes contact with the the planet that they're heading to, it you know maybe brings back like a different alien creature. That might be kind of cool. That would be cool. We've never seen one of these before. What is this? <laughs> what is this crazy alien? So yeah, because that'd be the kind of like the olive branch. Instead of having mm -hmm. an olive branch, we have like this weird green alien. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would be. It's a tree that's alive. <laughs> that'd be cool. Oh, oh, I just got it. Okay, so when they land, yes. inevitably on on this new planet, and they get out, you, instead of having a rainbow, we need to have like the the ex the leftovers of the explosion from the previous planet. Yes. Like across the sky. Yes. Oh, that'd be cool. Almost like a supernova. Yeah, um, and what if, like, you know, it's gonna, supernovas last for a really long time, right? Like, what if it, like, causes this um, permanent kind of, almost like a aurora borealis that only, like, shows up every once again? That would be awesome. Oh, I like this story. This is a. Uh -huh. This is a surprisingly <laughs> we should, we good idea. Write this. <laughs> we need we need someone to write the story. What what's going to be the main the main uh, themescape for the story? I guess it probably would be you know trusting God. Probably mm -hmm. be the the one of the bigger ones because you're having to jump through all of these hoops and save all of these animals that are like trying to claw your face off more than likely, especially if they're weird aliens. Um, I would yeah. You know having to go off planet into space which is scary and stuff and cold what to you you know find like a, a new place to live so probably probably like trusting you know what we could do to spice up nawa mm, what we could give him anxiety attacks that would be fabulous that would be really cool he could have he could have major fear issues and anxiety attack issues and that way we can we can kind of focus this this problem that he has with trusting in God in mm -hmm. in a more you know really we could really hit that stronger I think if we yes. did that so he has all these issues and it's a constant struggle for him that mm -hmm. way we have an emotional arc yes for the character yes yes that's yes. good are we gonna are we gonna spend time with how his family interacts with him I think we we would have to because he can't build the arc all by himself. Yeah, he can't he can't build the spaceship just just him alone. But he's not going to get help from rock angels. Though ironically, in this story, that'd make more sense than in the previous one. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> in rock Maybe we should add in rock angels. No fight. No. No rock angels. I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That should be a T-shirt. No rock angels. <laughs> Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back for the wrap-up after this. Your stomach growls. It has been 45 minutes since your last meal, and it is time to feed. Your socks slide across the inexpensive linoleum flooring towards your refrigerator. With astounding vigor, you swing open its door, and there it is. Shia LaBeouf is in your refrigerator. You stand in shocked amazement. Orange juice trickles from the side of his mouth, and in his hand is a cup of yogurt. But 
but in his other hand is a box with the word Loot Crate written across it in large friendly letters. Without so much as blinking, he hands you the box. You have once again received Loot Crate from Shia LaBeouf. You close the refrigerator. Opening the box, you find an assortment of items. You determine within yourself that the theme of the month must have been galactic, as you have received an alien action figure, a Han Solo frozen in carbonite poster, a triple plushie, a bag of watermelon flavored pop rocks, and more. You know from your past visits to LootCrate.com, which you access via the link provided by the lovely Kingdom Pen people on the page upon which the podcast is posted, that you have received $40 worth of geeky inventory for $13.95 a month. Loot Crate, providing you with stuff. You reopen your refrigerator door. There is no trace of Shia LaBeouf. And welcome back. I think we're out of time. I'd love to keep talking about it, but I think we are we, we are about done. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a giveaway. We're going to do we're doing, going to do a giveaway. You out there, all you listeners, title, title choose. Post your post your proposed title for this story down whether it be on Facebook or the KP forum or on the KP page where this is posted. And whoever has the best title, whichever title I like the most, you're going to get you some KP swag, t-shirt or something, whatever we have. I don't know. We're doing these interviews ahead of time, so I don't really know what we'll have, but we'll make it good. We'll get you something you like. <laughs> I promise. Uh, I promise. Sarah, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Well, I have thoroughly enjoyed it myself. We'll have to do this again sometime. We'll have to bring yes. you back. I would like that very much. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. You have a great one, huh? All right. You too, Daniel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Why should I waste my time listening? Because I have a right to be and I have a voice! Yes, you do. Kingdom Pen Radio. (laughs) My Mountain Dew's all gone. I drank it all. So now, essentially, I'm just running on fumes until the sugar crash happens, which, believe you me, is coming even as we speak. But y'all won't be around to see it. It's a good thing, because, believe you me, it will not be pretty. Thanks again for Sarah... No, thanks again to Sarah, rather, for being on the show. You can catch her on her blog, and you can also find her on Figment. I didn't know what Figment was until recently. You ought to go look at it. It's kind of it's kind of cool, you know? And as always, you can follow me on all your favorite social medias, except the ones that matter. You can follow me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at MonkeyStrudel. And you can follow me on Goodreads. Once again, thanks to our sponsors with the creepy ads that I created without them knowing. Loot Crate! You can sign up for Loot Crate, and yeah, I don't have anything more to say about it. Next week, I'm interviewing a guy with the first name, Bill. Yeah, he's actually a pretty big deal. This guy, this guy kind of wrote part of my childhood. He's really, yeah, I'm very nervous about... (laughs) I was very nervous during the interview. Anyway, so annoy me on the social medias. Find me on the Kingdom Pen forum. Grab yourself some swag. Remember, send in your titles, because if you don't send in your titles, you don't get a t-shirt. Meaning that I would get the t-shirt. Don't send in any titles, anyone. I think that's about it. Subscribe to KingdomPen.org, because we don't send you that many emails. We really won't. Maybe one a week. We're not annoying. So this is a good place to subscribe. I will catch you all next week. Ta-ta!